Here's exactly how the cake of fake automotive news gets baked. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Australia only, obviously. Website? Card. As Marilyn Manson said, reach out and touch me, dude. I double dead dingoes donger dare ya. Here's some recent fake automotive news. FCAI Chief Executive Tony Webber said Australia's light vehicle sector, which accounts for around 10% of transport emissions, blah, blah, blah. Like, sorry, FCAI, but you are full of horseshit on that. The claim, right, cars are, quote, around 10% of transport emissions. The facts, okay? Cars are 44% of transport emissions. That's significantly different, right? This is documented in the National Greenhouse Accounts, which are produced to an international standard and publicly downloadable, and you need only to read four pages of them to fit cars into the complete emissions landscape. This bullshit FCAI statement first appeared in the world's most boring press release and on their website, which was then dutifully regurgitated by the creme de la creme of hack publishers, some of the country's elite cut-and-pasting specialists, including drive, car expert and wheels. Right there. I would argue that if you merely regurgitate something without checking, you are in fact no longer doing journalism. You're just doing PR, dudes. In other words, you're a kind of bullshit amplifier and you are throwing your audience, the public, under the bus. That would be you, dude, okay? If you're going to do even a featherweight industry suck piece off the back of the shittiest ever press release, then you still have something of a moral obligation to at least check the claims made by some half-assed lobby group, surely. If cars were only 10% of transport emissions, and transport is only 18% of total greenhouse, why all the public outcry over what must be just 1.8% of total national emissions. Grattan Institute modelling shows that introducing an emissions cap of 143 grams of carbon per kilometre for new light vehicles no later than 2024, with an aim of zero tailpipe gases by 2035, could reduce Australia's emissions by at least 40% between now and 2030. So here we go on the emissions information roller coaster from one extreme to the other. Cars are either kind of trivial if you believe the FCAI's latest bullshit statement, or they're capable of taking us 40% of the way to green utopia. But I don't see how they can be both, dude. That last quote was from a story by Catherine Fisk over at Wheels, which was published roughly a week before the COP26 
Glasgow Climate Summit in October of last year. So Wheels has managed to publish these two grossly conflicting climate claims well within the space of 12 months. Well done. It's a tantalising prospect, isn't it? Let's just cap CO2 tailpipe emissions somewhat progressively over the next few years and we will reduce national emissions by 40%. Yes. Who doesn't want to do that? Like, dude, where do we sign if it were that simple? Unfortunately, it's just not because cars are in fact only 8% of total emissions. That's according to reality. So it's pretty hard for me to see anything we do with cars affecting national emissions by more than friggin' 8%. And that seems like as obvious as the balls on a big black dog, dude. I don't know whose bullshit that claim is either, and I'm certainly not accusing Miss Fisk of being a malicious bullshitter. She might simply be reiterating someone else's bullshit in good faith. And while that's hardly journalism, like, we don't hang people for that anymore. Or it could just be an honest error stemming from trying and failing to digest a complex report. Or just copying and pasting someone else's failure, which is like lapping up someone else's vomit. Now that I think about it, and while that works for dogs, and I love dogs, like it's never really appealed to me. I can tell you, however, that the Grattan Institute did not fuck this up. The wheels claim actually gestated somewhere in this report, just there, by the Grattan Institute, which was also published in October last year, probably to coincide with the COP26 climate summit. But Grattan did not actually claim a tailpipe emissions cap could reduce Australian emissions by 40%. Their modelling demonstrated that a cap could achieve 40% of the reductions needed to meet Australia's anorexic emissions reduction target for 2030. This is pretty clearly not the same thing as a 40% reduction of total emissions. It seems that someone was unable to digest that report and summarise it with reasonable fidelity and also that there were insufficient checks and balances in place. Still, it's pretty fake news, right? In other words, unless we figure out how to make cars suck in CO2 and poop out diamond-encrusted Tiffany fucking cufflinks, there is no way on earth that a tailpipe CO2 cap could, quote, reduce Australia's emissions by 40%. Not possible, dude. There's also the staggering time it takes anything we do with new cars to filter on through. With 12 or 13 million cars out there on the road right now, each lasting about 15 years. So well done, Wheels Media, delivering on the one hand a piece of fake news for the mouth breathers. Cars are only 10% of transport emissions. That's nothing. And on the other... Some ammo for the EV zealot green utopians. Like, if we just cap emissions and tighten the noose, we'll cut total emissions by 40%. Grattan Institute modelling says so. They're both nice, convenient ideas, aren't they? But also just amplified fake news bullshit. 
If you as a punter read that a credible institution like the Grattan Institute has this roadmap for cutting national emissions 40% simply by focusing on tailpipe emissions, I can absolutely understand why ordinary people demonise the car in the context of climate. But as you can clearly see, if you reduce all transport emissions to zero, it's only 18% of the total. It's not 40, okay? And cars are only about half of all transport. Ground all the planes, stop all the trains, park all the trucks in the friggin' desert, dude. 18%, not 40. Not practical. They're called facts. This is why the climate problem is so fucking hard to solve. All the obvious solutions involve us all going back to living standards from the 12th century. Motoring journalists, in my view, should just admit what they really are. They're not journalists. They're car reviewers. You don't need to be a journalist to review a car. You just need to suck on the gravy train and keep up the frequent flyer points, that platinum status. Yeah. Who wouldn't want that? The problem with tackling complex issues as a car reviewer is just this, dude. You've jumped into the deep end without first learning how to swim. And generally a bad idea, right? If you do that in the context of communication, you know, journalism, investigation, whatever, you really just become a bullshit amplifier because you don't have the appropriate filtration in place. And the way publishing really works, okay, that story that you click on, you know, to read, well, it's really just there to deliver an important message. Combining strength and agility in a compact SUV, the Mercedes-Benz GLA is your perfect urban companion. Configure and get pricing. That's from the page with the FCAI suck piece on it over at Car Expert. The story is clearly just a delivery system for paid clickbait from the official car maker to Satan. Configure and get pricing, dude. Come on. People think fake news is sinister, right? And sometimes it might be, but generally I don't see that. I think it's mainly laziness and ignorance. And if you put them in a blender, you're going to pour yourself out a smoothie of incompetence, aren't you? One does not typically resign as the chief investigative reporter for The Atlantic or something to go and recycle press releases for car expert or wheels. That would be like pulling the pin as the dean of neurosurgery to pursue your dream of becoming a dry cleaner. Nothing wrong with being a dry cleaner, dude, except if you're a competent neurosurgeon. Then, you know, it's probably a net waste of society's resources. Still, laziness and ignorance is quite liberating. Laziness liberates you from any imperative to check anything. And ignorance liberates you from scepticism, which can be healthy. And it means that anything could be right provided it sounds you know, vaguely credible, and is uttered by just the right windbag at just the right time. How can the FCAI's half-baked 10% emission statement be made and delivered any other way? How can it be parroted by purportedly credible publishers without systematic in-house incompetence supporting the process? That's the mechanism of you getting thrown under the misinformation bus, dude. 
you read that crap and it has been cloaked in legitimacy by virtue of its publication. It emanates from a legitimate sounding organisation and it's there in black and friggin' white beneath a notionally credible masthead. But don't worry about that, right? New GLA from Satan configure and get pricing. If you multiply this by thousands of amplified bullshit statements online, it's a tsunami of incompetence-driven fake news that just smashes the epistemology of reality. So, at this point, I think it's time to learn about a big new scary word, dude. Epistemology is just the science of knowledge, right? It's what we know and how we know it kind of thing. Is something a fact or is it just a belief, right? Like, you will die if you step off the average 12th floor balcony. That's a fact. Very few people would dispute that, even though some have, you know. Gravity is, quote, just a theory, after all. I actually had someone tell me that once when we were talking about this stuff. Just a theory, right? Go figure. A fairy in the sky who loves you by comparison, but who is also sternly prepared to roast you in hell for eternity, should you look at the neighbour sunbathing and think, you know, impure thoughts briefly. That's just a belief, dude. Epistemology is quite helpful here. Unfortunately, the facts drown in bullshit when the dam of epistemology breaks. The amplification of bullshit can break the consensus of reality. For example, CO2 is just plant food. I would love 10 bucks for every time some Muppet has attempted to refute the existence of climate change to me with this nonsensical soundbite, right? Drowning the epistemology of reality in bullshit makes it impossible to fix important problems like climate change or vaccine hesitancy or pandemics or firefighting or flood preparedness or things of that nature. You just can't solve significant problems when everyone uses different alleged facts. Cars are absolutely part of the emissions problem. There is no doubt 8% of the problem in Australia. Fugitive emissions from like coal and gas mines primarily, they're 9%. Agriculture is 13%. That's roughly 50% more of a problem than cars. So-called stationary energy, which is coal and gas-fired electricity generation mainly, is roughly six times more of a problem than cars. The fugitive emissions and the electricity generation go together, obviously, because the mines and the power stations are sort of part of the same system, right? So combined, that's about eight times bigger problem-wise than cars. If you look at this from the viewpoint of implementing some kind of solution efficiently, about half of available climate change combating resources needs to be directed to greening up electricity. About 13% needs to go to agriculture. And about 9% needs to go to making mines less filthy. Just 8% of the cognitive bandwidth, the money, the time, the legislation, the effort needs to target cars. No other approach makes any sense. But much of the greenhouse debate has been hijacked because the car is an enduring symbol of the problem which we can all relate to. The car carries much more of the burden for climate change than its pro rata contribution warrants. This is a fact. 
8%. That's all cars. And new cars are already much cleaner than older cars. Diesels, right? Diesels emit 20 to 30% less CO2 than equivalent petrol cars, K4K. And yet diesels are considered filthy widely out there in the community, thanks mainly to Volkswagen and also widespread scientific illiteracy, I'd suggest. It's not just the cars we buy either, it's how we use the friggin' things. Like, if public transport were free and not shit, more people might just use it. COVID-19. It proved that working from home cuts vehicle emissions significantly. That is right there in black and white in the official national greenhouse accounts. None of these kinds of things is a frontline issue for the FCAI because they don't care about the climate. They just represent car makers and all car makers want to do is reach under the table and stroke some regulator so that policies get made that sell more cars. But clearly more consumption of cars or anything else is not how we solve this problem. Hilariously, the FCAI actually sees itself as some kind of authority on this with a real duty to educate government. I think the debate hasn't matured in this country as it has in some other countries in the world. So I think this is what we are going to go through in 2016. We are going to go through the entire debate with Commonwealth government and state and territories. That was T-Dub, Mr. Dub, in 2016. And six years later, the FCAI <laughs> still can't get its shit straight delivering the basic numbers. He's quoted there in Go Auto News. If you've never seen that, it's usually alongside similarly esteemed trade publications at the local news agency, Whale Blubber Aficionado, Modern Flintlock, Pantaloon News, Popular Snuffbox, and, personal favourite, pubic hairdresser. A dying vocation, sadly. I've still got the inaugural landing strip edition with template and step-by-step -step instructions. It's all very top gun, I must say. The FCAI, though, very well funded, sufficiently funded, in fact, to pay someone who could read four pages of a fucking PDF in order to know enough so that they just didn't look like a big bag of dicks when they make public statements about cars and emissions. Not only that, there's a whole board of 12 A-grade Australian automotive executives in charge. <laughs> Don't they know the emissions basics? Composition-wise, they do seem a bit gender-biased, at least to me. Still, no one ever really knows these days. It's a minefield. Let us meet some of these elite FCAI shot callers. That could be fun. <sighs> Matthew Callahor, FCAI chair and boss of Toyota Shitsville. Toyota, of course, the misleading and deceptive bar stewards who took the preposterously anti-consumer decision knowingly to sell 260,000 potentially defective 2.8 diesel shitboxes to unsuspecting chumps. 260,000. That's like when an astronomer says, there's 20 billion stars up there in the sky tonight. You go, yeah. 
260,000, right? That's a conga line of Hiluxes, Fortunas and Pradas stretching from Melbourne to Brisbane. One hell of a traffic jam, isn't it? A real see-it-from-space advertisement for anti-consumer cockheadery, I would argue. Now, uh, yeah, Vinesh, VB, hard-earned thirst. FCAI Vice Chair and Boss of Mazda Oz. Mazda Australia. Inconveniently convicted in federal court of misleading and deceptive conduct and making false or misleading representations to consumers about their rights. It's pretty hard for me to see that just being some kind of you know, terrible misunderstanding. Then there's... Uh, who should we do now? Yeah. Paul Sansom, also FCAI vice chair. I think there's three of those vice chairs. Go figure. It must be terribly hard to be a vice chair. And boss of those filthy emissions cheats, Volkswagen Australia. Volkswagen Australia, of course, convicted in federal court of misleading conduct and the fine, $125 million. <laughs> Yes, go big or go home. Fair to say that V-Dub is a record-breaking elite anti-consumer organisation in this country. They were denied even the right to appeal the big fine. That's a bit of a fuck you, isn't it? Some would say barbed wire enema right there. Volkswagen, of course, also a delightfully criminal organisation in the United States, convicted of several felonies, if memory serves, conspiracy to defraud, violating the Clean Air Act, and misleading regulators and the public about emissions compliance, obstruction of justice, that's a big one, for destroying the documents relating to its crimes, and criminally importing the vehicles that cheated in the first place. It's all detailed in that Department of Justice news release from 2017. And I note they never really said, we didn't really mean to do that. It's just a terrible kind of mix-up kind of thing, but mainly because it wasn't. It is therefore, I would argue again, a violation of the law of conservation of irony to plonk the boss of Volkswagen Australia in the deputy's chair of an organisation that considers itself obligated to educate governments about the regulatory path forward for vehicle emissions. That's not funny. There's a theme here, right? You can see it. And my question to you, dude, is this the A-team whom you would like to see represented and well-funded, face-to-face, lunching with and educating government members in respect of a problem which, if mishandled, could render the planet un-fucking-inhabitable. None of them apparently sufficiently versed in the basic emissions facts to pick up a fucking telephone and suggest an edit of that appalling statement in the interest of accuracy and or credibility. Well done, FCAI senior management. These organisations, they do not care about the climate problem. They splash millions of dollars annually to leverage the climate problem into regulatory policies that simply sell more greenwashed cars. They want subsidies and they want to lay any blame for non-performance at the feet of 
for example, fuel refiners. In the marketing department, they leverage consumer demand for actual climate action into the quaint and mostly indefensible notion that buying some allegedly green shit heap will allow you to <coughs> do your bit. That original 10% release and the amplified knock-on bullshit in the media have been live for about 10 days now. And Ms Fisk's claim that's been live for months and nobody has bothered to correct it. Thus, the facts continue to drown in the information sewer. Again. Only 8% reduction in total Australian emissions by making cars emit zero? That's nothing? I don't think so. I'll manscape if that helps the channel to reduce my personal greenhouse effect. Every little bit helps, John. Recent comment there from a dude named James Barnes, a solid, engaged viewer of the channel, unafraid to append his actual name and face to his ideas. Hashtag respect. Now, manscape all you want, JB. I'm going to decline to think about that if you don't mind. But on every little bit helping, okay? Agreed, broadly. However, really not much of a comfort if your house burns to the ground. And the firefighters tell you, yes, they managed to save the guest's bathroom because that's where they mainly concentrated their fire suppression efforts. And this is, of course, the danger if we think that focusing on cars can solve the climate problem. It can't. If you want to cut tailpipe emissions tomorrow in the order of 10%, and that doesn't seem like a bad idea, particularly if we could do it tomorrow, then I'd suggest Albo's mob should simply launch a public education campaign about how to drive more efficiently. And they should also incentivize businesses to allow their staff to decentralize and work from home wherever possible. We've already run that experiment. You would not need to incentivize the workers themselves because they would be saving heaps on fuel and parking and tolls and vehicle wear and tear. You don't need to buy an 80,000 buck EV to slash emissions and then wait 20 years or something until the average car is in fact an EV. And this is something that the car industry would prefer you really didn't think about too hard the things you could do right now. Like fancy being able to contribute to climate without buying a new car. That's friggin' disgusting. How counterproductive to the FCAI's raison d'etre, right? Dipshit ministers and their senior staff, well, they're kind of divorced from reality generally, so I don't see you getting any help there. And inconveniently, the government is awash in taxation revenue from the 30 billion litres of liquid fuel which we burn annually. That's a 15 billion buck disincentive to reduce consumption right there. So it's pretty hard to see actual effective solutions which we could implement today easily floating to the surface of our sewer, is it? None of these bullshit amplifiers appears to know even the basic emissions facts, which can be learned in 10 minutes by skimming four pages of a free fucking PDF. Fake news is not malice, dude. Like, Ming the Merciless is not up there pulling the levers. 
It's just a souffle of bullshit amplified by incompetent organisations feeding off each other symbiotically. But relax. The facts don't really matter. I consulted George Orwell on that by Ouija board last night, and he said, all you need to do if you just want to get by is click and configure that shiny new GLA, which Big Brother really, really wants you to drive down this highway to hell.